Uh, we've been in our series, Christmas by Design. We've been in Luke 1 and 2. Um, and through this series, we've just taken a look at um, one of the most, if you just read it and just kind of saw the details, it really does seem like one of the most amazing and almost unbelievable stories um, that, that we could ever come up with. Um, th- th- if this was just um, an invented story, it, it would no doubt be on the fiction aisle at a bookstore. But this is really the true events of God's amazing work, um, continued work that he was already up to as he brought Jesus um, to this earth to be born in a stable by design. Uh, we looked at even in that first week of how amazing, how beautiful just the, the location of that was because that opened the door for the shepherds to be able to come in and witness what God was up to. I'm sorry, that was the second week. Uh, the first week we looked at two amazing stories uh, of two ladies, one who was um, young and who had not um, had any kind of relationship physically with a man yet, but but found herself from the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, pregnant. Um, and also a, a lady, Elizabeth, who was uh, well along in years. That's a, that's a polite reference to age, as we talked about. She was well along in years, and God worked a different kind of miracle in her life through her and her husband. Um, and, and that's how we see Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. So when we look at the details of the story, um, it, it's just like Christmas. Christmas doesn't end just on the 25th, right? It carries over, not just with gifts that we get, but it's really just the heart of what we experience that seems to just continue for, for the next few days and few weeks and hopefully all the way through the next year until we meet Christmas face-to-face again. Um, this, is, this is really a season that we want to celebrate that way. So as we look at this story, I pray that you've seen God's story written in with hope that way. Now, we're going to be in Luke 2 today. It's going to feel like we're, we're really stepping outside of kind of where we've been because we, we, we are. It's, it's only a few days, uh, but if you've ever had a baby, do you remember what it was like going home from the hospital after that newborn experience and you start to get into, okay, now we, we, we are parents. There aren't going to be nurses around us all the time. We've got to figure out how to now start to raise this child, get this baby to sleep and eat and, and change the baby and do all those kind of things. Um, that, those days were starting. It's kind of funny to think of it that way with Jesus because we know him so much more in detail as as Lord and Savior than we do small infant, maybe cooing and toddling around. We don't think of him often that way, um, but that's really the, the days that they begin to live out um, because remember still, we're, we're 30 years at this moment from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, public ministry. Um, we don't know what he, all he did before that, but, but that's really kind of the jump in time it feels like we take. So verse 21 starts out this way. When eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification according to the law of Moses were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it was written, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. Now, it, it says every firstborn male, but it also says every firstborn female. Um, but they didn't have a daughter, they had a son. So this is why there's just that particular gender reference made there. Um, It says, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, um, it's very interesting. We we see in this passage um, what looks like just a religious ceremony. Um, And and it was. It was written into Old Testament law. Uh, The firstborn, whether it was male or female, um, that, that baby would get, get taken to the temple and brought before the priest and an, and an offering, a sacrifice would have been made and that child would have been dedicated to the Lord. And, and, and I do think it's important when you go back to Leviticus 12 that you do see 
that it's both male and female because um, really, if you, when you read the Bible, um, it, it is written in, in time, in history. Um, and even just some of the miracles that we see Jesus bring about, um, the counting, the feeding of the 5,000, it talks about there were 5,000 men. Well, culturally, that's what was the practice. They would have kept number by counting the men. But we, we don't see Jesus' ministry. We don't see his teaching. We don't see his miracles. We don't see the gospel at all being kept from anyone on this planet, neither male or female. Um, and, and this is done to really show that God's expectations, God, God's love, God's um, heart, his, his, his gospel message, his reaching is going to be to all. There, there, is no, there is God's favor we experience, but there's not favoritism. right? There's, there's, there's a huge difference in that. There are gender roles that we see in Scripture. There are some specifics. But in this place, we see the sacrifice that was common for both. Now, um, in this sacrifice... There's a lot of history when you get into the sacrifices and the offerings um, that, that were made there. Um, when, when it talks about this kind of offering, it, it almost sounds like, when it talks about purification, it almost sounds like, well, maybe, maybe something was seen as wrong in their life. This was, this was not that case at all. Um, you can see that based on the order that the sacrifice was made. It was a burnt offering and then the sin offering. Um, and, and that was just really for just kind of normal spiritual atonement. That was just for the kind of sin that we carry through in life. Um, this particular offering didn't, didn't show that there was guilt. It, it just really was an offering of, of grace and, and just the symbolic um, representation of forgiveness into the life of Mary, into the life of Joseph. Now, as they brought Jesus in here, there's a couple of things that we notice um, that, that I think are really, really key. And I think um, really particularly for parents, I think if, if you're looking for... If you're looking for yourself in the Christmas story, this is a really great part of the passage to look in. What we see, um, if, you look, if you think back for a second with me, let's think about how was Mary and Joseph, how were they really described? Well, in Luke 1, Mary was talked about that she was, she was highly favored by God. Um, and, and the opinion of God when he looked at Mary was, was that he really saw her as a young woman who, her, who, who had really had a heart that was devoted to him. That, that she practiced what she preached, in other words. She, she really was dedicated to the Lord. She, she understood what God expected of her, and she really looked to live that out in specific ways in her life. Now, it also talks about Joseph. We don't hear about him as much in Luke 1, but we do hear great things about him in Matthew 1, and it describes Joseph as a righteous man. In fact, the Bible frames that righteousness like this. It says that, that, that in his righteousness... When, when he heard that Mary was pregnant, because remember, this is something that God did through the Holy Spirit. When he heard that she was pregnant, he did not understand it, but, but I'm sure he assumed what every other human being would have assumed, that there was some level of unfaithfulness there. But, but even in thinking, assuming that unfaithfulness had happened, Joseph didn't want her to be publicly embarrassed. Joseph didn't want her to be ridiculed. He, he, he knew in his love for her, and, and really, I believe what his heart was for the Lord, he, he realized that there was an opportunity to say, okay, well, how, can, how can this be annulled, but, but she doesn't really get drugged through the mud? That, that was a great framework, I think, for us to really be able to see really what his heart was like for, for the woman he loved, and probably, I, I believe, what it would have been like for all people. Now, that's the description that we have of them. So that starts to kind of, that, that, that kind of started getting my brain kind of going towards, okay, Lord, like, if this is Christmas by design, 
What are we really seeing in this? This this is kind of who the Bible describes them as. I want to read this passage to you out of Matthew 1. This won't be on the screen, but just just listen to this. It says, but after he had considered these things, that's talking about Joseph, this is out of Matthew 1, 20, 21. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to to a son, and you will name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So when we look at when we look at what was going on in Mary and Joseph's life, um, th- these were crazy events. I mean, it, I don't even know how you would. I don't know how how nine months is enough time to wrap your brain around. Um, we're having a baby, and this baby didn't happen the way babies happen, right? If you remember, what, what did it say about Mary? Um, she basically just kind of stayed inside for the first five months of her pregnancy. No doubt, just with her brain just reeling of, I, I, like, I, I know what I haven't done, and, and I know that what condition I am in in pregnancy, but I can't resolve this in anything that makes sense other than this is the Lord working. So we see all these circumstances happen, but still there is incredible obedience. And, and we see, when we think about the obedience of, of Mary and Joseph, I think we, we immediately jump to, like, there for Joseph, oh, his obedience was he took Mary as his wife, even though everything in his mind said, nope, in this relationship. He says, trust and obey and, and, and continue to, to, to seek what the Lord is doing and take this big step of faith. For Mary, it was just to keep pondering these things in her heart. Uh, for both of them as a couple, um, there was even the specific naming of their baby. Um, they j- Remember what, what Scripture showed us about Zechariah and Elizabeth when, when they said, hey, we're going to name the baby John? And they came back out and they were like, Mm-mm, that, that's not right. You, this is your first son. Like You should name this son with a family name. Well, Jesus was not a family name. So for them as well, to, to, to stick to it and say, okay, we're going to name this baby Jesus, that was what we were instructed to do from a, from a messenger from the Lord. And, 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 and it's not just about the name, it's really about who this baby is. We, we believe this and trust this, so we're going to be obedient in these specific ways. We, we tend to think, I think, about Mary and Joseph's obedience in very specific instances. And, and I think that's that's true because many times in my life, I look at a situation and go, okay, I've got this decision coming up. All right, Lord, I, I got to figure out how to be obedient in this particular thing. I got to figure out how to, how to handle my finances when this financial problem is coming up. Or, I, or I've got a relationship issue, and, and so I'm trying to figure out how to do this. Or, or I'm looking at switching jobs. All right, so Lord, what am I supposed to do in this particular situation? And we, 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 try, to, we try to look at our lives so much at, by the specific moments that we kind of draw circles around. But, but I think... When we do that, we're, we're rushing ahead. Because it is true. The evidence of that passage is, is true in two ways. Here's, here's two things that are really true about Mary and Joseph. Number one, they were obedient in specific instructions. They were obedient in specific instructions. And, and for most of us, that's kind of like the biggest deal. But, but I, I don't believe that that's the biggest deal. Because, here's the second thing, they were also obedient just to God's law. They were just obedient to God's law. Um, if you look at the moment where Mary and Joseph, it, it's, it's written by design in this passage. It, it highlights that Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple for the sacrifice to be named, and, and, and they're, they're, they're following through with this process that the Lord laid out for them, okay? So as they do that, um, yes, the naming of Jesus is the specific thing for them to be faithful in doing, but, but there's a bigger faithfulness to the law that says, 
here's the sacrifices that you're supposed to make. Here's what you're supposed to bring. Um, they, they didn't have much money. That's highlighted in here. By the, by the two turtle doves that they brought as the offering, God made allowance for that because, again, he, he doesn't show favorites. He just shows his favor. So, so whether someone was financially well-off or poor, they still were able to come in and, and, and make this sacrifice, have this offering made to the Lord. And so what we see is, is there's just a faithfulness. We saw it in their description in Luke 1 and Matthew 1, that they're just faithful to the law of the Lord that the Jews lived under. And that, I believe, is really what set the table for them to be able to handle the circumstances in the life that they were dealt and be faithful in that as well. And I think that's so huge. And, and, and you think about it, how in the world does, does a couple, a young couple with their first child, how do they start to raise the Savior of the world? How do you work the sleep schedule of the person who created nighttime? Like, how, how, do you, how do you change the diaper, right? How do you change the diaper of the person that designed the human body? And I believe for Mary, it was just, and Joseph, it was, we are faithful to what the Lord has spoken in general. And, and as we are dedicated greatly to that, that's when we're ushered into moments where he says, okay, specifically now also follow me in this. And I would, I would, I would wager this. I, I really believe that we would find as individuals that the, that the single moments of life would make so much more sense and we'd be able to discern what faithfulness looks like in the single moments of life much more effectively when we're faithful with all that God really writes to us in Scripture. You know, I've, I've found that to be one of the most amazing things as, 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 we, as, as I've been able to participate in this D-Life group. Um, and, as, and as we go through Scripture, uh, I have found this, and, and I've also found it true in, in teaching and in preaching too. Um, you don't have to design a series just to get to a certain topic if you're really reading Scripture. Does that make sense? Like, it, like you, don't have to, you don't have to go through a parenting book if you're really clear about what does it mean to live for Jesus in every area of your life. And, and, and I really believe that, that by design, in Christmas, God is really wanting to kind of waken us up to, okay, we know what it's like to make parenting decisions. I know what it's like to name a baby. I know what it's like to, to find out by surprise that you're having a baby. Right? That was, that was my, my, my sweet youngest son. We, we didn't expect that positive pregnancy test. Incredible blessing. I can't imagine what it's like to wrap your brain around what Mary had to. I just... I just I, just, I knew what did happen, and I knew what was possible. So how do we handle the specifics of life? I, I believe we, we set ourselves up to be able to hear the Lord so much more effectively as we're faithful to really all of his word and really digging into it on a regular basis. I found that in, in D-Life. I find it in teaching and preaching that, that when you're just in the word of God, you, you walk through truth that pertains to the issues of life. You just do. And, and it's already there, it's already inside you. Um, as, as this event is happening, as this event is happening, um, Simeon is the next character that we see highlighted in this passage. Now, Simeon is a very unique person, and one of the things that we're going to see specifically from Simeon is his character. Okay, and, and I think there's a really great connection between Simeon's character and what we've seen already in Mary and Joseph in this first part of the passage. Verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Now, 
Um, just kind of point of reference, and, and as you look at stories from the Old Testament, and, and even when you look at events all the way up to um, the Holy Spirit coming into believers in Acts, you'll see that language in the, in, in the Bible. It will be the Holy Spirit comes on someone, fills them for a moment, and, and then there's, there's the movement of the Holy Spirit away from that person. Um, in salvation, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit from the inside out, but, but in this moment, it would have been a specific act of the Holy Spirit that would have done this. So as we see Simeon right here, we, what do we see? We see character that really seeks the Lord, who trusts the Lord. They say, well, I, what kind of trust do they have in the Lord? Well, for the entire nation of Israel, their, their identity was in their relationship with God. And it had been 400 years since the latest message from the Lord had been given out audibly and in, 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 in passed around in writing. It had been about 400 years. Now, I don't know how patient you are in waiting for new news, test results, um, how, you know, what, what's really wrong with your car from the mechanic that's, that's looking at it at the moment, um, who won the ball. Like, I don't know how patient you are in waiting to hear news. I'm not very patient. I want to know right now, Google has ruined me. It has ruined me. I want, I want it immediately, but, but 400 years of just trusting, Lord, you are still up to what you've said you were up to, is, is the kind of faithfulness and expectation that the Bible says Simeon lives in. We say, man, how in the world, how in the world could we relate to that? Well, I mean, it, that's still really a lot of what the Christian walk is like. When we see truth in Scripture that, we, that God says, okay, this is my way in this area, um, and, and really the expectation is for us to patiently wait if we aren't able to participate yet. And, and we're called into that kind of faithfulness of waiting. And, and sometimes that will kind of create a little bit of temptation for frustration in our life. And, and God doesn't... God doesn't crave and desire us to be frustrated Christians. But his strength, as he promises, is always going to be sufficient. His grace is always going to be sufficient in those times. When we say, I can't wait, we can't make it that long, really the response of the Holy Spirit would be is, but yeah, through me you can. Through me you really can. It says that he was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child, uh, brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon looked, um, took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary. Now, this is where, this is where Simeon kind of shifts gears a little bit. It, it sounds like, it sounds like um, any great greeting over a young baby, right? I mean, not, not, it's, it's very specific to Jesus, but, but it's kind of what you think people are going to say when the baby comes in. You expect, oh, how wonderful, oh, how cute. Now, if we're honest, though, are all babies cute? Nope, nope. And I'm just telling you, 
don't come up to me and ask me if you think if I think your baby's cute. All my kids weren't cute when they were born. I know that. I love them. I cherish them. They some of them some of them are still hoping to round out. Okay. It says then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, indeed this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So this is the whole message that Simeon gives Mary and Joseph. Now, it, th- this must have seemed a little bit odd. And, and one thing that I think is so great in the design of Simeon being in this story is this. Um, when, when, we, when we are expecting something from the Lord, does it always come in the exact form that we imagine it in? I find that it doesn't. And what am I reminded in those times? Lord, that your ways are higher than my ways, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts, and, 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 and I'm, you're calling me, you're inviting me to trust you in, in seeing what you're showing me. Now, now consider this. This is an individual who in his soul has been communicated by God with a firm, committed belief. I will not leave this planet in death until I've set my eyes on the Lord's Messiah. Now, did he assume it was a baby? Maybe not. I mean, if you think this is what you're waiting on, this is going to be the crescendo of your life, what would you imagine it would be? Just the smoothest talking, most um, physically impressive specimen walking in and just completely taking charge politically, socially, economically to restore what everybody thought was their place in the world? Yeah, I mean, like you want to invite that. Remember, you want to see king on a throne, not baby in a manger. But Simeon's, Simeon's trust, and it, and it really, I believe, is an overflow of his character. How, how, do you, how, how do we kind of test our character? Are we satisfied? Are we satisfied when we see something the Lord shows us just from the standpoint of God? Yes, that's evidence that you're working. I have to hold my judgment of it back. That's a, that's a big test of character. Because Simeon, he, he just takes the baby, lifts the baby up, and in excitement, what does he say? Okay, God, I can go home now. Like, this could be it for me. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I have seen your salvation. This baby will save your people. In fact, he says that all people. I mean, he, 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 he was grounded in the promises of God. He knew this wasn't just for the Jews. And he knew that this wouldn't just be easy. Man, so when we look at what God shows us in the, in the things that God allows us to walk through. I mean, let's just kind of give ourselves a moment and, and kind of be self-aware of how easy it is to go, man, I don't know if I like this, Lord. I don't know if this is the way that I would have designed this. But what do we know? 33 years later, we would call it perfect. But those 33 years hadn't passed yet. And for us, when we go through some of the most difficult seasons of life, there hasn't been enough time yet to really see all that God is going to end up doing. And that takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of trust. Uh, um, if you notice, um, this is something I want to, um, Chris, if you'll come up here for a second. Um, if you wouldn't mind, grab that uh, microphone that's back there where Tiffany was playing. Um, this is Chris Adair. Uh, and I, I'm a, I, I have not prepped, really, Chris, for this at all. I just texted him yesterday, and I said, hey, Chris, would you mind joining me on stage just for a quick moment? Um, and, and I just want to kind of get some insight um, from him really quickly on something. Um, yeah, we'll just cha-cha a little bit. Yeah. I don't have a I don't have a best side. Um, that's 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 what my wife tells me anyway. Um, so, 
this, this phrase here, that re- this really drew me. It's, it says, this is about Jesus, what, what Simeon says. He said, that, that a sword will pierce your, your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And, and one of the things that I was thinking about through this is, I, I think a lot of us want to look at Jesus as, Lord, like, Jesus, be our guiding light. Just kind of show me a direction, and then, and then just kind of let me go. Like, just give me a general direction, and, and, and then I'll travel. I'll kind of make some major decisions in life and kind of travel that path. It's, it's kind of how I tend to, to find myself almost wanting to kind of lean that way at times. Um, Chris, if you could just kind of describe just generally what you do for a living. Sure. Uh, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I specialize in foot and ankle surgeries mostly. Right. So if you got some ankles and toes and some stuff like that, you can see Chris after the service. Um, Chris, um, I'm assuming when you do surgery, um, light would be fairly critical. It's slightly important. Yeah. So, yeah. What, so what do you? So if when, when you're in the middle of that surgery, um, what what is the value of light? What what is what is why is it so important to what you're looking for and trying to get done? Yeah, so light's super important, right? And it's not just ambient light like room lights or whatever, but we have OR lights that are above the tables that take the light and, and focus it specifically on what we're trying to work on. And I trained with a guy in Charlotte that said, you know, orthopedic surgery is really about getting everything out of the way and getting it down to the bone. And so the light really takes and focuses our attention and, and makes visible what we need to see to do the surgery. And so there's a lot of important anatomy in there, and so we want to make sure that we can see what we're, what we're working on and get down to what we're trying to fix. Yeah, because but in general... What is the purpose of surgery? It's to fix something that's broken most of the time. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Y'all, if y'all will give Chris a hand, please. Um, that was great because that was, like, that was totally unscripted. He could not have answered those questions to better make my point. So many times we see, we, we kind of want Jesus to be this just kind of general guiding light, just kind of shine out a little bit into the future for me, Jesus. Like kind of give me a target to aim at so I know I'm generally on course. But, but so many times, the, again, the regular work that Jesus wants to do is, is because he, he needs to take our lives, which so many times, as Christians put into his own words, that there is a brokenness, there is something that is, that is not right, because we have a sin nature. Uh, we don't teach our kids to do wrong things. They just tend to find that stuff out on their own, right? We, ha- we have to correct those kind of things. And, and, and there exists just this broken nature inside of us and, and the light that Jesus is, is not just a guiding light. I'm not going to tell you that he doesn't give you direction in your life, but, but so many times we're, we're only scratching the surface of the value of what Jesus is working as our life because so many times it's, it's not that just kind of general ambient light to kind of make everything brighter and easier to, to navigate. It's, it's that specific light that says, okay, in this area something is not right, and for this to be able to be resolved, it's got to be able to be seen and known and examined and looked at, diagnosed. And then with the skill of the one, with the light, Jesus, he can then go in and, and fix. Sometimes it's just his work alone. Sometimes it's his guidance, and, and he invites us into that process. But, but when it says that, that Jesus, um, that, that he is going to be a sword that will pierce his mom's soul because he will reveal the thoughts of many hearts. That, that's the kind of regular work that Jesus always wants to be up to. And, and, and that's, that's such a critical design, a part of this story. As Simeon gives this news, it's not just, hey, joy, good feelings. It's, hey, here's the reality of what the gospel needs and will be. And for us as believers, I think if we just kind of say, all right, we, we kind of want a, a casual relationship with Jesus, that's not the invitation that he's extending to us. 
That's not what he's wanting to invite us into. He wants a close, personal relationship where the light of his love can really shine into the deepest and darkest and most broken areas of our life. The last person highlighted in this passage I want to look at today um, is a lady named Anna. And there's a very specific, um, very specific series of events that it, that it shows us about Anna to really highlight, I believe, it, it, for Simeon it was character, and for Anna I really believe it's lifestyle. This is a little bit of Anna's story, verse 36. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years. There's that nice well along in years. So what do we know about Anna? Oh, we, I'm not, all I said was well along years. Melanie said old. Okay. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after their marriage. Okay. Seven years after their marriage is the only amount of time that they were married and together. And she was a widow for 84 years. So if you just count the number of years she was a widow and the number of years she was married, that's 91 years. So add on top of that, however old she was, when she got married, we're assuming older than nine, that put her at 100. So she's well eclipsed 100 at this point in her life. And it says about her, she did not leave the temple serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. You know, really her lifestyle was to be a witness. So I want to kind of consider. So her lifestyle as a prophetess around the temple, she was participating and fasting and praying. That would have been for herself. That would have been representatively for other people. She was, seek, she was sacrificing and seeking God. She was a prophetess. So there would be times where she would have something that the Lord would put on her heart through the Holy Spirit that she would then share with other people. It was part of their culture that that would be tested and affirmed. But, but she was about seeking the Lord sharing truth and seeking the Lord on other people's behalfs, on other people's behalf, and just really living a life serving him. It says that at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So when we see Anna, when we see Simeon, what, what, what are we seeing? We see two people who really, with a heart devoted to the Lord, and through their character and through their lifestyle, they, they were just at the, it seems like, right, the right place at the right time, maybe we would say. But, but I don't think it was just the right place at the right time. Their character, their lifestyle, um, the, the same thing that we see in Mary and in Joseph, that this, this regular faithfulness to keeping the law positioned them to be able to get an eyewitness view of what God was up to through his son Jesus. So for many of us, I think we look at our lives and we, we would say stuff like, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss the big events. I don't want to miss what God is showing me. I, I, I don't want to miss a detail. Well, the design of this Christmas story, I really believe, we see, and, and, and I believe we can take this as truth as we look ahead to the next upcoming year in 2022. What, what can we really take from the design of this Christmas story to really set our minds towards a target? That, that if we live a lifestyle, if we have a character, if we are disciplined in our faith and just regular, constant faithfulness, we will be where the Lord wants us to be to be able to show us what he's doing. We'll be able to discern the, the, the moments of life, the specific things that we need to be obedient in, that we wrestle with and we really wonder about. We'll be able to discern those so much more effectively 
because of what God is doing in our lives on a regular basis. Now, please don't get me wrong. I, I, I know the, the star of this story is Jesus. None of these details mean anything without Jesus, the promised Messiah that God had, God had let us know was on, its, on his way all the way back in Genesis when sin first entered this earth. But when we look at the design of this and, and, and the incredible details of the story, I believe that's really what God is calling us to, is to not just, not just go through the wearing out patterns. Because it does, does it not wear you out sometimes to, to just go from kind of one really difficult situation to another difficult situation and, and, and sometimes to kind of be on the repeat cycle as, as, as a follower of Jesus? Like, I feel like I'm just kind of going through the same things over and over and over again. And, and, and many times we, we, we isolate that thing and go, okay, what, what do I do? And it's all the pressure is on the moment. But you know what? In so many ways, we're able to handle those and discern those out of a life of faithfulness, being in the Word on a regular basis. There's just, there's just such an extreme value to regular faithfulness. And that's the design. I really believe that's the design of this part of the passage. Would you mind bowing your heads for just a moment? Man, as, as, as you look at just the last few days, I know Christmas has been sometimes maybe even for some of us almost like a blur uh, for some of us it's been a very relaxed calming set of events for some of us it's it's just begun and we're still looking ahead at things that we're going to be doing this week um, while, while this passage has been laid out in front of us by the Lord this morning um, this this story was designed farther back than we were ever on this planet and I don't mean just in Luke 2 I mean this goes back to creation this goes back to what God always knew was needed. And isn't it amazing that, that when we really take this story, there's so, so many details about it are just really applicable to our life. They really just make sense. And, and, and like the confession of Simeon, sometimes what is needed and what makes perfect sense seems like the greatest message in the world, the celebration, but it's also gosh, that seems difficult too. This may not be the easiest thing that I've ever taken on. This may take sacrifice. I think the, 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 the balancing point is that in my soul and in yours, is the sacrifice worth it? Do we really believe that following Jesus is a life call and not just a final destination? And if that's where your heart is opened up to now, don't worry about having to be perfect in these major moments. God will want a pattern, just a, a constant daily faithfulness and walk with Him. And it'll change the way you handle specific situations as you parent, as you're in relationships, as you're at work, everywhere. It'll mold the character that Simeon had. It'll shape a lifestyle like Anna. It will get us to the moments and the places where God is working. And it really, I don't believe, will probably be as difficult as we've made it. We'll probably end up finding ourselves at more big God intersection moments than we've ever thought possible. So as we look forward, let that be our prayer, let that be our hope, let that be our promise and dedication, our commitment to the Lord. If you, if there's anything you'd like to pray about this morning, love to meet you at the front talk to you about a relationship with Jesus 
how he calls and invites you into his plan, into his love and his forgiveness and his purpose. But if there's anything at all in your heart, we'd love to pray with you this morning during this next song. Father God, thank you so much for your love and grace. Lord, thank you for the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. God, as we see in this passage, um, Lord, there's so much hope in Jesus. God, even in these two lives, Simeon and Anna, who just seem like they almost just kind of get a get a quick footnote in Scripture, God. There must have been just so many of these stories. Lord, if there's one, there, there surely was hundreds or thousands. Because God, even as you showed us in your, in your word, Lord, it, it, it can't contain all your works. There wouldn't be enough ink. There wouldn't be enough paper. So Lord, help us to find confidence in the design of what you show us so that we can expect, Lord, your faithfulness at every moment of life. And God, I pray that our commitment to faithfulness to you would not just be a burning desire at the beginning of a year, but it would be the daily walk that we see and we experience you in all through this next 365 days that we have in front of us. God, thank you for the goodness of Jesus this season, the grace that you've shown, the love that we've experienced. In these moments, help us to continue to lift up Jesus. And in his name we pray, amen. Would you stand back to your feet?